This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning, this is Frida Liu. You're listening to Raise Your Game. It's the first Monday of the month. And uh, who is here with me is Jeevan Sahadevan, founder of Leverage Lab in the flesh. Good morning, Jeevan. Good morning. And Always good to be here. I tell you, it's been two uh, two plus years since you've you've stepped into this place. And, you yeah, know, it's been on, online for, for the last two years. Right. Yeah? And, and the thing is also, of course, you know, we didn't have you for the last two months because it and happened to be public and holidays. And yeah. Today, we're going to talk about the six things entrepreneurs can do to ma- profit massively from a recession. As the recession inflation plays out locally and globally, the one thing on every entrepreneur's mind, especially SME owners, is how do I profit from this? Um, actually, a lot of them will be asking, how do I survive from this? But anyway, <laughs> to help business owners do exactly that, Jeevan Sardavan uh, will share six very specific things to prosper in businesses uh, during such times as this. So grab your pen and paper or tablets. I'm not going to mention any particular brand because I'm like, agnostic that way uh, of course you know take some good notes and make huge gains in your revenues and profits very quickly so Jeevan before we get into our six things I have to ask what are some there's always that one guy out there saying no, can they just start with the six things <laughs> and Frida goes cannot, off on a tangent somewhere cannot we have to set the stage as so to speak what are some obstacles that are preventing high revenues for businesses at a time like this yeah, so, so at a time like now uh, when, when, you, when you look at a bad economy or a down economy and this is the thing many businesses don't realize this is actually an opportunity to walk all over your com- competition and whilst other businesses are dropping out of the race you can start to see the checkered flag mm. and you can see how you're going to beat this how you're going to win this so i'm going to share today six very specific things that entrepreneurs can do to profit massively from from this this recession or looming recession that's that's up ahead right. now um and, and and to look at to look at that you know why is it that 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 very many businesses are not uh, are struggling and not taking advantage of this. One of the biggest issues to to handle is indecisiveness. Hmm. So that's a big one. So if you look at if you take let's look at how that plays out in business. An indecisive business owner, for instance, he's saying, "Look, uh, should we should we do more Instagram videos or should we take the money and go to Facebook?" Should we go and should we get uh, go right. go offline and open a kiosk out there in a the mall, or should we wait and see whether the malls are picking up again? And it's, mm. there's so much indecisiveness, and this is a huge problem because you want to move, you want to take advantage of everything, and you want to move, you want to move really quickly. So, what I'm going to share is six things, and and what business owners should do is listen to these six things and start to execute, right. execute really really quickly. Right. Okay. You mentioned indecisiveness, and many entrepreneurs have goals and plans, but again, right, this economic climate can pull the carpet from under the feet we had great goals for 2020 yeah. you know what i mean and then COVID okay. came along. right so i mean there's instant decisiveness and there's also issue of cash flow right so what can they do specifically to combat this Okay, so so when you look at uh, issues of cash flow, don't just resign to the fact that some strategies may cost more money than others. Start taking a look, which I will share shortly. Okay. Start taking a look at what are the opportunities you can do, even with a lower budget, even with a smaller cash flow. How how can a company that's bootstrapping their way uh, through through prosperity to how are they going to do it? So you got to look at what are all the opportunities that there there are strategies that cost a lot of money and the strategies that don't cost a lot of money, and you want to do a combination. So one of the first things you want to decide as well. Is how many percent of your revenue are you going to allocate to marketing? 
So you want to think about that, you know. So every time you make revenue, you allocate a certain percentage of that revenue to marketing, so that you're constantly in the market. You're constantly in the market. And you're doing a lot of things. Maybe you put five percent, ten percent, three percent, two percent, whatever it is. But put that as an autopilot thing in your business. Right. And at least you start with that. You know, you've got that going on. Okay. So we'll start with the first thing. Okay. So let's go right into the first <laughs> one. I'm sure that people waiting. Six things and entrepreneurs can do to profit massively from a recession. Number one is lead generation. So, so the first thing you got to understand is this: your lead generation, your generating of leads. What I've noticed, and when there's a down economy, most businesses start to switch off their lead generation. They start doing less lead generating activities. A lead is a prospect. Um, a prospect meaning meaning an inquiry, and they start doing a lot less rather than more, or they do only the common ones. Right. They don't explore beyond. So, for example, what you want to do is you want to exploit unutilized and uh, cost-effective areas as well. So, here's an example: billboards. Now, billboards would traditionally be very expensive, yeah. but right now they they're a whole lot cheaper than they ever were. Right. And many companies who want people to display on billboards, they've become a lot cheaper for a lot of businesses out there. Here's another strategy, a host beneficiary. Mm. What's a host beneficiary? So a host beneficiary, this is one of my all-time favorite strategies, actually. If you were to put me in a country and tell me I can only use one marketing strategy and that's it, it would be a host beneficiary. So what's a host beneficiary? So that's where one party is a host and another party is a beneficiary. So so in your case, you your business, you would be the beneficiary and you'd go to host. A host would be a business that shares the same target market as you but doesn't compete with you. For instance, a hair salon and a florist. Mm. So a florist and a hair salon would have a similar target market but they don't compete with each other. And you could do you could do that. You could go to the florist and say, hey, look, if any customers spend over 100 ringgit with you, we'll give them a free haircut on any Tuesday and Wednesday of the month between the hours of 12 o'clock to 6 o'clock. You see, so so now the florist gets that gift and they can pass it on to their customers and say, look, if you spend more than 100 ringgit in flowers here, you get a free haircut next door. And you see, the the beneficiary now is getting a whole bunch of leads coming in effortless and free. Right. Doesn't even cost them anything. And, and the, the hairstylists are doing nothing anyway if there's no one coming in. Right. So you're getting a whole bunch of people. So I did this one to the cafe where... We went to all the surrounding shops nearby and we gave them vouchers for free coffee. Mm. And so free coffee, just just all they had to do was just give decide how they want to give it to their customers. Right. And the customers have to come into the co- the cafe to have the coffee. They they can't take away. Ah, uh, so they have the coffee, but then they'll have yeah. to buy the pastry. Or then they'll look at the pastries, they <laughs> look at the menu. And you know what we found was out of ten customers, about at least four would buy something. Right. Maybe six would take the free coffee and, and, and go Ciao. away. Okay. But then the others would come back. They would buy something mm. and they just keep coming back. So so host beneficiaries, you can do this with anything. Any kind of business can do this. You you just have to look for businesses that sell to the exact same target market you sell to but do not compete with you and then figure out what can you offer their database and then you just start to offer them all kinds of things this is an absolutely beautiful strategy then you've got referral systems so here's another way to get a lot of leads now just imagine if you've got a database of of 5,000 clients in your database or 5,000 customers and you manage to get 1,000 of them to give you three leads 
They give you three referrals. That's three thousand referrals. Hmm. And out of the three thousand referrals, that say half one thousand five hundred of them spend a thousand ringgit. That's one point five million. So you got to make it <clears throat> beneficial for the host as well. Exactly. So you got to ask yourself. All right, how? What should I do? And how can I ask for these referrals? And the the rule is keep it simple and make it easy for them to give it to you. Hmm. And of course, give them a reason for to give it to you. You could say, Hey, look, um, we have a referral price. Right. So if you if you if you give us five contacts and that's you get the referral price, which is a discount, or that's a present or a gift or something. But you see, mm. majority of businesses out there do not have a referral system in place. Mm. So one of the things that you want to do at a time like this is brainstorm with the team and create a referral system. Right. Put that in place. So that's that's another example of a lead generation. Here's one more. PR. Mm. Get a lot of public relations done. Um, get there's so much. Uh, so many avenues right now that you could feature your business. Hmm. Whether it's online, where you go to Vulcan Post, Star Online, Mail Mail Online, or even offline publications, you can go everywhere. But the idea is get it done. Hmm. The public perceives you differently when they see you written about. Right. When a business is written about, whether whether it's a B2C or B2B, when it's written about and talked about, the perception is different. Hmm. And that becomes the back of mind for many prospects. Right. And your target market as well. Okay. We're going to go to the other things that entrepreneurs can do to profit massively from a recession. After this, I'm here with Jeevan Sardevan from Leverage Lab. Stay tuned to Race Again, BFM 89.9. Banana from Malaysia. BFM 89.9. The Business Station. It's Racer Game. I'm Frida Liu. Jeevan Sadevan from Leverage Lab is here with me in the flesh. It is the first Monday of the month and we're talking about six things entrepreneurs can do to profit massively from a recession. Uh, he's given the first thing, which is lead generation. Uh, what's the second one, Jeevan? Okay, so the first one is lead generation. We look at a whole bunch of stuff you can do. Um, there's just a lot. So the, the number I'm giving everyone here, all our listeners, is the number 15. So for lead generation, come up with 15 different strategies that you can run. Uh, don't just stick with three or four that you're used to. Mm. Explore, explore and brainstorm with the team. Come up with 15 strategies. We've given you guys a whole bunch of stuff. Now, the second area. So the first area was lead generation. Second area is sales conversion. Now, here's where you've got to take a look at everything you do in business that converts a lead into a customer. What are you doing and how can you do it better? So here's some things you can do immediately. Again, 15. First one, testimonials. Very few companies actually make the effort to go out and collect as many testimonials as they can get. And guess what's the number one reason why a person doesn't give a testimonial? This is what I found hmm. from all those businesses. When I get them to go out there and collect testimonials from the clients, take a guess what's the number one reason why a business doesn't get a testimonial. Just take a guess. No one asked. No one asked. Well, here's the thing. Actually, the answer is they don't know how to write. Ah. They don't know what to write and how to write it. They don't know what to even say. So I tell the businesses, look, coach them through it. Tell them how they've benefited from you. Share with them how they have benefited. And, you know, you can even help them get, get, give them a draft and say, change whatever you want to change. Right. But, you see, the reason they're not giving you testimonials is not because they don't want to. And don't, don't assume that. Mm. They're not giving it because they don't know how to. And this is what I found to be the majority of the reason why businesses don't give testimonials. So, of course, sometimes it's not asked. They're not mm. asked as well. So that's, that's one, testimonials. Another one, sales scripts. Mm. Take a look at the sales scripts of every single salesperson in the company and see what needs changing. Times have changed so much, and perhaps what they're saying doesn't work anymore. How are they talking about it? What are they saying? You walk into a shoe shop, and the lady says, can I help you? Your answer will, 99% of the time would be no, I'm just looking. Mm. But if the lady says, hi, is this your first time here? 
let me show you a new range of shoes that changes the game completely. Mm. And now you go, yeah, oh, yeah, sure. And then you just you just go and see the new shoes. Right. So it's a complete change of script. So sales scripts is something that many businesses need to pay attention to. They could be using outdated old sales scripts from 15 years ago that no longer work. Number three would be for sales conversion would be relational follow-ups. So let me explain that. Yes, everyone does follow-ups, but the one that makes the difference is what I call relational follow-ups. So what that is, is you treat a prospect like a client and most likely they'll become one. So when you follow up with someone, let's take a property agent for instance, when you follow up with someone, you treat them as if they're already a client. And and you know you you're building the relationship as you do your follow up. You know you talk to them, you make a little bit of small talk. Uh, you share you share why you're sharing this information with them. You share how it can actually help them, and how it would benefit their business or in, as an individual, whatever it is. So that's that's a bit of relation put into that whole follow up. See people people value relationships, especially now. Relationships are valued more than just the activity itself. So relational follow ups are a very big thing. Uh, to increase conversion, you can also offer guarantees. Mm. So the important thing is this. Do 15 things to get leads. Do 15 things mm. to convert those leads into customers. So that's area number two, sales conversion. Now we come to area number three for every entrepreneur out there. Repeat purchasing. Mm. You want to make sure that the customers that you've already captured, either recently or many years ago, they are repeatedly purchasing from you again and again and again. There's so many strategies you can do, but I'm going to give you one of the best ones ever. So there's just so many things you can do. You know, there's all kinds you can do. You can call them up. You can send them emails. You can send newsletters. You can uh, have frequent, all sorts of frequent communication with them, invite them to parties, functions. Yeah, there's all of that stuff, but here's the best one. And you've got to get your business to this place. So to get customers to come back repeatedly and to purchase repeatedly, the best strategy is habitual buying. Mm. Get them to a place of habitual buying. Get them to see your business as an entity whereby they just purchase habitually. So I give you like an example. Like sub- a subscription even. Uh, it could be subscriptions. It could mm. be anything. So for if you take a cafe, if you go to a cafe in a, sh- in a short period of time, if you go about eight times, you will go for life. Mm. And that's fascinating. Take a look. So just imagine, just look at the last time you went to Mama, for example. What did you drink? Probably the same thing you've been drinking 15 years ago. Yeah. or something, you know, the same thing. You see, it's habitual buying and you probably don't even want that. But you just, and someone says, hey, have you tried Nestle? You're like, hey, what, what's that? I haven't had that. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe another time. You see, it's, it's, we are habitual creatures. And when you understand that, habitual buying is so powerful. Find out what are the elements in your products and services that you can get to a habitual space mm. get it to that sort of a space and you know and and of course the gyms are really good at this you know right. you 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 join a gym and you pay from your credit card and this they just take take money out of your card for for the next you know, 500 years or something mm. you know is, these guys are really good but what i'm going beyond that i'm going to the psychology of it all where people come to you because of of the nature of what you sell and the nature of who they are and how they buy and that's, that's habitual buying. And, and it could be food, it could be anything. So this requires a lot of thinking in terms of how do we get them to frequent our business enough so that they frequent for life. Hmm. You test that cafe example, you know, you eat at any one cafe for eight times, you'll go for life. It's true. It's true, isn't right. it? It's fascinating. And, and it's absolutely fascinating. You know, like my office is in Publica and Publica's got all kinds of restaurants in it. 
And I did an assessment the other day. I did I did a study of, of where I eat. So I actually plotted a graph, you know, I wanted to see. Where, and I'm going to the same places. It's insane. And I don't even like some of that food. <laughs> I'm just going back to it. I'm like, what is this? Yeah. I looked at my graph. This is nuts. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to all the same places. And, I, and, you know, one restaurant, I go there three times a week and I don't even like the food. <laughs> just because it's just near my office, it's just easy to eat there. So it's just, you know, it's just that. And when I think of somewhere else, I'd be like, ah, yeah, well, I'll just grab a, something from here, pasta right. or something. So you see, so I'm like, gosh, I got to tell them I've been coming three times a week for the last seven years. So you see, there you go. So that's habitual buying. So that's number three in under repeat purchasing. Uh, let me just sidetrack a little bit. Mm. And I just want to say this. To everyone listening, to everyone who's listening to this, all of business eventually comes down to only two things. Whether you own a manufacturing company, a listed company, or a kadairunchid, or or a furniture company, or a legal firm, or a medical practice, everything comes down to only two things. And what's the two things? Capture and keep customers. That's it. So corporate language, we would call it customer acquisition and customer retention. Everything you do in business is to capture customers and to keep the customers coming back again and again. So that's what these six things are actually addressing. Hmm. So, so number three just now was repeat purchasing. Number one was lead generation to capture customers again. Number two was conversion, sales conversion, which is to capture customers. Number three is repeat purchasing, which is to keep the customers coming back again and again. Number four is bigger purchasing. Mm. So what's this? So once a customer is coming back to you again and again, you want them to buy more. I love the McDonald's example. They've got six magic words that make you buy more and more. So you walk into McDonald's, say, I like a burger and a Coke. The lady will ask you, just, just, she will just say six magic words. Would you like fries with that? Six words. And that adds a, an additional 30 cents to McDonald's revenues. But around the world, that's $3 billion. Mm. So I'll ask this question. What are your fries? What are your fries in your business that you could ask a prospect or a customer? Hey, would you like XYZ with that? Would you like ABC with that? So you want to think in terms of package deals, package things up, upsell, uh, increase your range, sell other people's products and services. Who mm. says you've got to sell only yours? Right. So at times like this, there are many businesses that need help. Yeah. Offer their products and services. And I find that when suddenly it may be the same thing, you sort of bundle with something else. Suddenly yeah, people yeah. look at it with, oh. And they like it even more. Right. Because it's even more practical now. See, for example, car companies do this all the time. So they sell you a reverse sensor. They sell you tinting. Mm. Now they sell you wrap. You can wrap your car up. Mm-hmm. So, so you see, you could bundle things all the time. You know, you, you could have all kinds of package deals. So don't just think in the space of your business and your products only. Think of the customer and everything that comes before, during, and after the customer purchases from you, and can you can you sell that? So, what comes before the customer buys from you? What comes during his purchase from you, and what comes after his purchase with you? And can you sell all of it? Can you offer all of it hmm. through either third parties or whatever it is? So that's number four, and that can that can bring you huge amounts of money just effortlessly. Actually, number five, number five is your strategy. So here's something a lot of business owners are not thinking about. A lot of entrepreneurs are not thinking about is your strategy. Is your strategy working at a time like this? Now, what is your strategy? Is your strategy break even today and break the bank tomorrow? Is that your strategy? That means you just sell things really cheap. You just break even, but then you upsell, cross-sell and add-on sell and, you know, then you break the bank tomorrow. So that's one. Or is your strategy market domination? You want to be the leader. You want to dominate your market. Or is your strategy best price? Or is your strategy acquiring competitors? Or is your strategy acquiring dying businesses? Now, one of the things that's a very good strategy at a time like this, especially when you enter a recessionary economy, 
is a lot of your competitors could be dying. Mm. It's a good time to look at buying them over and taking their database and and selling to their customers, and you'd get a phenomenal price. You want to acquire you want to acquire locations even. Uh, a lot of um, right. entities would offer very cheap locations for you. It could be malls, it could be shop lots, anywhere. Um, you know, uh, or is your strategy to identify your top 100 clients and approach all of them, top 100 prospects? So many businesses don't know what the strategy is. So I ask them, say, look, what's your strategy? What are you trying to achieve over the next five years, 10 years? What's your strategy? So identify what it is and look to see if you need a strategy change. Sometimes your current strategy may not be helping you at any level. So you may need a strategy change because things have changed tremendously since since all the lockdowns and COVID and everything else. So that's number five. Hmm. Number six is a nice one. Number six is the dream team. Okay. So what's number six? Now, many businesses have forgotten that the at the very essence of your growth and success is your team. Hmm. Your your staff, your employees is the team. So so here's where you want to not just have any oddball team. You want to have your dream team. Your dream team is made up of, of I would say, five things. So number one, it's hiring better. Mm. You want to hire better. Just get it right from the start. Hire better. Ask better questions at the interview. Get, give them proper scenarios. See that this is a really good fit that's coming on board. The second thing is, is what I call HABU. HABU, H-A-B-U, stands for Highest and Best Use. What is the highest and best use of every single staff in your company? Are they in the wrong place? Are they should they be somewhere else? Is someone in sales? Should he be in customer service instead? Is this person just better off in customer service? So, habu them. Hi, um, look at the highest and best use. Third one is coach them. Hmm. Many businesses fail to get the potential out of a staff because they don't coach them. Either get external coaches in or coach them yourselves through through the team through the management. Um, get coaching coaching to happen. Number four is career development. People need to see that there's a future for them in right. your company, not just a present. Yeah. There's also a future. Right. So work with them on that career development. You know, what, what could possibly happen for them um, in a very prosperous manner over the next five years or so? Uh, there should be some career development. And then comes the last one, which is I think one of the most important things when dealing with staff. And that is what I call the three golden qualities. Hmm. If you've got staff who have these three golden qualities, then you have a dream team. You've got superb people. So they are, number one, ownership. Mm. These are staff or employees. I mean, they're people who take ownership of their jobs, their situations, and they're not trying to pass the buck. They're not trying to blame or make excuses or go into denial. They take full ownership for what they need to do to get success into the company. Second is accountable. Mm. Now, by the way, the English language is quite fascinating because you can often find the meaning of a word inside the word. So the word ownership comes from the word own ship. You're the captain of your own ship, you see. So so they see that, you know, the word accountable comes from the word account able. Mm. You are able to account for everything that's happening. You know, if 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 somebody asks asks you, say, why did the sales drop? So okay, look, this is what's actually happening and this is how we're gonna counter it. They can account for it. And the third one, probably the most important, is responsible, right. which comes from the word response able. You're responsible. So you're responsible, the staff see themselves as responsible to bring in all the success that they're supposed to bring in for their job. So they see that. And these three golden qualities, if you have if you have employees with this with this mindset or these three golden qualities, that is absolutely superb because you've got a very good team. Right. Okay, and and then I'm sure you you know you're faced with this as well when you talk about it. When it comes to employees, there's just so many like 
hybrid employee timing models yep. now, right? People have changed. What's the best way of working for employees? What formula of home and in the office will work best? Do they even need to go to the office? Okay, so this is now a very common thing. Oh. Some businesses are telling everyone, come back to work, you know, come mm. back to the office. And some are trying to look at a complete um, shut, uh, shut away from the office, uh, but you're completely away from it. I think um, the best model is a combination of the two. Mm. Uh, because for starters, we already used to, many people are used to working from home already. And so there is that level there. But what's more important is, is can they achieve the goals set, the objectives and the goals set? So what you've got to start with first is the goals. You start with objectives and goals for the first year or the first three years or, or the first quarter. And then you look at the working environment based on that. Because the issue here is not so much do I work from home or do I work in the office? But if you're going to work from home, do you have enough resources to ensure that the goals are met? If you're going to work from the office, do you have enough uh, resources mm. within the team to ensure that the goals are met? So the issue isn't geography. The issue is performance. Right. And that's the mistake entrepreneurs make. So it's, I don't like you working from home. I want you to come back to the office. But then the thing you're missing here is, are you even clear what your goals are for the staff? Mm. Do they even know? They don't even know where, what they're supposed to. And if they can achieve everything, say you set five objectives and they can achieve all five objectives faster than you ever thought possible without showing up in your office, that's telling you that that's, that's what's important. Mm. You see, but if they find they can't because they need the community of the other team's members and they need the resources of the, of the office, then, then they can't. Right. Then they've got to come in. So, for example, if if you're, you're a waiter at a restaurant, you can't say, I need to work from home. <laughs> what are you going to do? <laughs> you can't. You see? So, you got to look at that stuff. You know, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so, sometimes people are just totally logical. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Okay. Like, no, I've, I've, I, I say, look, you're missing the point. The point isn't the geography of it all. The point is performance, and you want to make sure that you can achieve the performance, achieve the goals. Right. So that's the key. Right. Okay, you also haven't brought up money, the issue of money, right? So yes. inflation can hit the buying power of someone's salary badly. That's right. Should bosses look at increasing their staff okay. salary? So yeah. very common question. So some staff have now started saying, look, I want, I'm, I'm going to do the same amount of work, and I want a four-day work week, yeah. and I want more pay. Hmm. Now, let me tell you this. The keys to the safe is not how long you've worked in the company or you wanting more pay or how many hours you work. The keys to the safe is what you bring to the table. So so here's the question I often would ask staff like this. If if you're taking four-day work week and you want more pay, what does the company get? Mm. What do the bosses get? Back what does goals. the department get? Exactly. Back to the goals again. Because you see, again, let's not make it all about you. <laughs> you know, you, you've got to realize. So people, oh, but it's inflation. Inflation not just affecting you, it's affecting right. the company too. Right. You see, so, so you got to see. So you want four day work week or one day work week or whatever you want yeah. and double your pay. But what does the company get? So you see, now if you can show the company, hey, look, I can give you all this. Can you give me this? Now, that's where negotiating begins. Mm. That Those are the keys to the safe. You know, that's how you could do it. So but that's a very important point because sometimes bosses are held hostage for something like this or vice versa, you know. So so the important thing is back to the goals again. So so we need some clarity around goals and objectives. And for language purposes, I mean, anything one year or more is called a goal. Anything less than a year, I would call them objectives. Right. So, so you know, you want to do that. You, you want to work. So... So the, these are the six things. So every entrepreneur listening up, work, work with your team here, the six things. Number one, come up with 15 lead generation strategies. Take a look at the ones you're currently doing. If they're useless and they're not working, chuck them out. Get new ones on board. Brainstorm. Look at what people in your industries, not just your country, but other countries are doing. Get some ideas. Number two, sales conversion. Again, 15 strategies to convert prospects into customers. Number three, repeat purchasing. Come up with 15 strategies. Get customers uh, purchasing repeatedly, including 
the most important one, which is habitual buying. And number four, bigger purchasing. So come up with 15 strategies um, to get people to buy more when they do show up. Number five, strategy. Look at what what is it you're trying to accomplish out there, your strategy. And number six, the dream team. Mm. Higher, better, get the best people on board. Jeevan Sardaran from Leverage Lab. Six things entrepreneurs can do to profit massively from a recession. He'll be back again the first Monday of next month, which is August 1st. Uh, I'm Frida Liu and you've been listening to Raise Your Game, BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.